0: Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hello and welcome. Uh, My name is Aaron Free, and it's great to have you with us on the program today, Israel and You. Uh, This program is a ministry of Israel Team Advocates International, and our ministry is to turn the tide of uh, the rising issue of anti-Semitism, especially on evangelical college campuses where we're seeing this huge decline in support for the Jewish people and the state of Israel. And so we go to campuses across the nations, we do presentations helping students grasp the roots of their faith, which is Hebraic. And so in this program, we talk about these issues. And uh, this program, we're going to revisit this wonderful Hebraic concept of the family meal table. And this comes from Deuteronomy 6, where God says to the children of Israel, it's called the Shema in Hebrew. It's Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu. Adonai, Chkad, Baruch, Shem Kavod, Malkuto, Le'olam, Va'ed. In English, God is saying, Hear, O Israel, Shema, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So if you go to a Jewish home today, you'll see on the doorpost of their home, a mezuzah. I have a mezuzah on the doorpost of my home, and inside that mezuzah is Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. Hero Israel, and it talks about uh, teaching these commandments uh, to your children as you sit at the house, in your house. And so after the temple was destroyed, the rabbi said, we don't have an altar, so what is the altar of our faith? And so in those days, they said, the, the table is our altar, and we will teach these things to our children while we sit at the table. And so this is a wonderful, wonderful concept of bringing our families back to the table. One of my favorite Christian authors is Josh McDowell, who wrote the book, More Than a Carpenter. He's a a Christian apologist. And uh, he wrote another book entitled The Last Christian Generation. And he's talking about how we're seeing this decline of understanding of the Christian faith within our young people. And so Josh McDowell says if we continue on this on this track, this could very well be the, the last Christian generation. Josh McDowell's solution in the second half of the book is to bring the family back to the home, make the home the center of learning. And so what we're seeing today is families are, in many respects, are not teaching and training uh, their children in the word of God, according to Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 through 9. And so it's really parental responsibility to bring the family uh, to the home, make the home a center of learning to teach the ways of the Lord to our kids. And so my special guest today is is actually my wife, Sharon. She's the Associate Dean of Research at the College of Nursing, the University of South Alabama. She has a PhD uh, from the University of Illinois and Chicago, and after our first trip to Israel about 20 years ago, Sharon saw so many families gathering at the Shabbat table on Friday evening and saw mothers and fathers blessing their children. She returned to the States and she started researching this uh, field of study on the family meal, and she came to realize that this issue in medical journals is really an important issue where medical people are saying, we really need to come back to uh, the healthy uh, home habit of bringing the family together at the table. So Sharon's research is centered around healthy home habits with an emphasis on family meals. She's been interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Women's Day Magazine on this very important issue of the family table. She's written articles in scientific journals. These resources, uh, you can go to IsraelTeam.org. And to our resource section, and you can find some of Sharon's work. Uh, you can go to our Facebook, Israel Team Advocates, and there's a wonderful synopsis there that we've hyperlinked to uh, one of Sharon's articles, uh, a synopsis of her article. So Sharon, welcome uh, to the program, Israel and You.
1: Great, thanks. That's wonderful to be here.
0: It's great. We, we talked a couple weeks back on this, this wonderful truth of the family meal, And as we prepare now for the Christmas holidays, Sharon, what are some of the practical habits of bringing the family back to the table?
1: Well, you know, I think the holidays are such a great time to really promote family closeness. And, you know, it's interesting, like the research really points that family meals can promote family closeness. They really um, add value to traditions, which promote unity, stability, and routine. And I think one thing about the holidays is we have a lot of rituals and things that we've done as a family. And, you know, it's interesting that family meals can trigger, you know, just smelling a turkey can trigger memories of growing up or smelling the pie. And I think the family meal is such a great time. To bring all the senses together when you're around the table and make it really a positive time for each family member, and really promote um, the goodness of the Lord. And it's it's a place of connection, instruction. So some of the things I think we I shared that just really make it meaningful is is you know set the ground rules that make your family meal a, really a sacred place, a place where everyone feels safe and they feel protected and also that um, it is not a place for arguments or discussions, especially of politics or anything that could cause just differences of opinions. It's it's a place to celebrate each other and and to keep it a really positive, happy environment. And I think as we plan ahead, one thing that I have found is the more we plan, the less stress and just be okay if everything's not perfect. But make the table a place of welcoming, of fun and sharing. Great stories of what God's done, sharing stories of our year, um, making sure that every family member's connected and talking. Those are just some of the things that come to mind when you ask me. Aaron.
0: You know, um, as I study the scriptures, so many of uh, the principles of the Bible are taught around a table and think of the ministry of, of Jesus, uh, the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000 centered around food and eating. And, you know, Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the sinners, and all the times that, you know, Jesus sat at the table with his disciples. And as I've studied the Bible, I've come to realize that the Bible's in many respects is a story of three suppers. And you can kind of tie these three suppers together through the entire uh, scriptures. Uh, the first supper, of course, is the Passover meal. The second is the New Covenant meal, the Last Supper, and then the third supper is the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So you could say that the Bible is this wonderful story about three suppers: Passover, the Last Supper, and the Marriage Supper. Jesus said, "I go to prepare a place for you," and you know, part of the place that He's preparing is is a table where we're all going to enjoy the Marriage Supper. Of the lamb, so I think it 's so important that if if the meal was so important in the life of Christ, uh, the meal should be important to us as well.
1: I agree, and I think it 's really important to take hold of that and implement that really in our lives on a daily basis. Um, you know really, I could really talk a lot about the research um, that really shows the benefits of frequent family meals and how Families feel much more connected. They feel like there is much more belonging and emotional security. You know, it's interesting when I, sh- um, I share about around the table, just sharing our family history, that the research has shown that children who are knowledgeable about their family history through family meal discussions and other interactions actually report they had a closer relationship with family members. They had higher self-esteem and a greater sense of control in their lives. So I I think that sometimes we overlook the significance importance of our communication and sharing our stories around the table.
0: You know, we, we live in a, a world that, uh, it's an electronic world. It's a world driven by social media. And maybe you can talk Sharon about some of the boundaries that we need to set to, to help, to help keep everyone in the family present in the moment when we gather around uh, the, te- the, uh, the table. And it's like every person today has a television in their bedroom or a computer. Uh, the big screen television, even during mealtime, sometimes is blaring away. Uh, n- now we have Apple Watches, so we may ask, hey, don't bring electronics to the table, but people have their Apple Watches. They're checking uh, their favorite sports team score during the meal or they're checking their emails. So we as a family, you, you and I, we've, we've set boundaries that all electronics uh, need to be turned off. And there's actually a phobia. It's called nomophobia, which is short for no mobile phone. And this is an actual phobia that scientists are studying today. That people, if they're away from their mobile phone just for a few seconds, they fear begins to rise within their heart, and this phobia comes. And so, but we do uh, we do set boundaries. And as we talked today, Sharon, you said you know parents. Are the gatekeeper. So, can you tell us how you can keep the conversation flowing as a parental gatekeeper at the uh, the table?
1: Well, you know, I think that's a really great point. And you know, interestingly, you know, I think just making the table a fun place, but setting the boundaries that that limit the distractions because. Even having the television on, people's attention will be listening to there that they don't want to miss out on what's happening on the television. So turning everything off, you know, interestingly, the research does say that the um, that distractions during mealtime really decrease the quality of interaction um, and the quality of time and actually the quality of the food eaten. So it's really important to set those boundaries and then make the mealtime a time where you're totally present, you're looking and you're converse- conversing with um, others around the table, um, look them in the eye and be a good listener. I try to really... Hear what they're saying, and then continue to ask questions, and again make it a fun spot. You know, throughout the year, you know, I think parents, especially when you have kids that don't live right in the in the home together. Our three of our kids are grown and married, and live away. So you know, we we really try to. I, as a parent, we all know what's going on with each family member. Sometimes the table is a great time to highlight some of the. The neat things that some of your family members went through that others might not be aware of. It's a time to really celebrate and promote each other and to make everyone feel special and make sure that everybody has an opportunity to be heard and um, just to enter into the conversation.
0: He a gatekeeper of the table. Uh, it takes some preparation and some forethought. And so it At Christmas time, you know, we're already talking about what kinds of questions we're going to ask at the Christmas dinner table. Uh, So we'll ask things like, you know, what's the greatest thing that happened to you this past year? And then we'll ask a question, what are your hopes and dreams for the coming year? And so we kind of go around the circle of the table and uh, one by one, everybody shares, uh, you know, a great thing that happened. And then... Uh, they'll share a hope or a dream for the coming year. Maybe they'll share a, a family memory that's funny or a family tradition. We'll ask maybe some of our sons-in-law, what, what were some of the traditions of your Christmas table? So those kinds of questions keep the, uh, the conversation going. If you'd like to receive this wonderful booklet on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing, you can go to our website, IsraelTeam.org. And for a donation, this month of any kind, you'll be able to download this wonderful uh, concept of blessing, and it'll bless your life during the holidays. We'll catch Sharon on the other side. We'll talk about the table. Hi, this is Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International, and we're really an educational nonprofit that's helping Christians understand the roots of their faith, go deep in Hebraic thought, And uh, evangelicalism, the millennial generation specifically, is turning away from Israel. So the the main focus of our organization is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're trying to turn the tide. Because within 10 years, think of this, evangelicalism could very well be anti-Israel because of the media, social justice movement that is swaying the minds of the younger generation. And so one evangelical campus I was recently on, a professor told me they they brought in a speaker from Israel to talk about the Jewish people, and there was almost a riot on campus. There was a a group on campus known as the Students for Justice of of, uh, Palestine, and they caused such a ruckus that they had to shut down the chapel service. So these are the things happening out there on evangelical college campuses across America. So what we do is we're building a bridge, a bridge towards the next generation to help them understand their connection to Israel. And wonderfully, Israel team has just received a matching grant for $28,000 from a large foundation that has examined our mission of doing presentations on Evangelical College campuses, doing roundtable discussions with professors about this issue of replacement theology, And for matching dollar for dollar over the next three months, if you would like to help us in our mission, you can uh, send your gift to Israel Team, P.O. Box 91779, Mobile, Alabama, 36691. Or you can go to our website, IsraelTeam.org, and you can donate there to help us uh, fulfill this matching grant, dollar for dollar, up to $28,000. Thank you, and God bless you. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, great to be back with you. We're talking about uh, the importance of the family meal table with Sharon. And uh, she's my wife. And uh, she is a a nurse and a PhD in nursing. And she's the Associate uh, Dean of Research at the College of Nursing at the University of South Alabama. And she's written many articles. Uh, She's been interviewed by the Wall Street Journal and USA Today on this important topic of the family meal table. And you can go to our website, IsraelTeam.org, to the resource section. And you can download uh, a synopsis of one of her articles on the surprising benefits of the family meal. You can find the same uh, articles hyperlinked uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, israel team advocates so sharon uh, thanks for being with us today in israel and you and as we talk about the family table what are some of the open-ended questions that uh, we can uh, ask as as gatekeepers of our tables as our families are gathered around the christmas table
1: well you know that's that's really i think an important important um, area to talk about because so many times when we ask questions, we really don't realize that we're asking what we call a closed-ended question. Like, if you ask your children, how was your day? I don't know about you, but they will say good, fine.
0: Sure, Instead,
1: right. say, tell me about your day. And I think when you your day, you're really opening the door for them to describe their day. You know, another closed-ended question, are you doing okay? Yes. Instead, say, "Tell me about how you're feeling." So those are just some of the examples of how to to bring in an open-ended question. But you know, there is wonderful resources online. You can just Google um, conversation starters around the dinner table. You can a lot of the Christian bookstores or online. You can actually buy little cute table. Um, Little um, stands that hold questions, um, but you know you can just pull some things offline and questions. You know, have parents share stories. But when they were kids, for some reason, our grandchildren just love hearing stories about us growing up. So sometimes I run out of stories because I always want to know. But I think you know, sharing stories, asking them um, just things that they love, things that that their dreams are. If they could ask God a question, what would it be? What's their most favorite Bible character? You know, what's the greatest um, challenge they encountered this year and how God brought them through? I always want to ask a question that always ends positive. You know, what's a challenging time, but how has God brought you through it? Because you know, God always brings something good out of every situation, and I think it's important to really always capitalize on that. So, you know, I a lot of times I think ahead about qu- some open-ended questions. You know, if you had your dream job, if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would that be? You know, it would be. Um, and what would be your favorite activity with your grandparents, or the favorite thing you like to do with your mom and dad? Um, what would be your ideal vacation, or what would you? Who would you like to meet? If there is a person in the Bible that you could spend a day with, who would it be, and why? And you'll learn so much about that person, and maybe some of their um, just some of their aspirations, some of their dreams. And um, so I think just those open-ended questions just bring such a wonderful conversation around the table.
0: And one of the things that we do, Sharon, is we bless all of our children. And grandchildren at the table, we speak a word of blessing. So as we prepare for Christmas, um, I'm writing out a blessing over each of my children. Uh, they're, they're, my three daughters are married, so I'll write a blessing for their, their husbands and then for our, our five grandchildren. We're still parenting. We have a, a son in college, so I write a blessing over Nathan. And then I I, uh, I speak each blessing, and they have it there that they can read. And then we lay hands on all their heads and we bless them. And then somewhere during the course of the meal, uh, we ask everybody uh, to uh, say a blessing over the person to their left. And we simply go around uh, the entire table and everybody speaks a blessing. And we share stories as well. And when um, my in-laws are with us, my mother-in-law went home to be with the Lord uh, this year, but our, our... her father, who's 92 years old, a Swede, uh, Lars Erik Svensson, he's built 78 churches and medical clinics all around the third world. He was a concrete contractor, and he'd spend the winters in the mission field helping missionaries build churches. And so at our dinner table, uh, my kids over the years have interviewed him. You know, Grandpa, tell us about uh, when you were in the jungles of Peru, you know tell us where did you sleep grandpa? I mean was it a tent i mean was it a a, a little hut and he he slept near the Amazon River and just a you know a little uh, tent so he would he would tell them the stories and by the end of the stories, you know grandpa 's got tears running down his cheeks because it 's so meaningful for him that his grandchildren want to know about his life. I remember one year. I asked him as as they were leaving, I said, you know, what was your favorite time of, of the Christmas holidays? He said, I got to tell you, it was the table. It was sitting at the table and having the kids ask me questions. That made me feel so honored that they wanted to know my story. And so it's important that, you know, at the table we have aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, uh, the, the gatekeepers, which is normally the parent, uh, that we open up the door for uh, these senior citizens are our, our grandparents and aunts and uncles to share their their walk with God, the highs and lows they've had over their life. And I tell you that it, those are the memories that we bring home after the Christmas holidays, the memories that, uh, that took place around the table.
1: And you know I think too, Aaron, is that one thing too that I, I know we've always tried to do around the table is, You know, just at some point and, you know, not every person at every because we have our kids here for like a week. um, But at some point around the table throughout that week, I always want to let each family member know how proud I am of them and just Mm kind of highlight that person and just just let them know just how special they are to us. And I know that, Erin, you're always affirming them. And, you know, I think that in this day and age. There's not a lot of affirmation out there, and I think that the table needs to be a place of affirmation as well
0: So true, and uh, again, some of my greatest memories as a father you know during the Christmas holidays coming up, I will you know spend the morning thinking about you know the menu um, I like to do a lot of the cooking it's just my Uh, my happy spot is, uh, you know, cooking with Sharon in the kitchen and, uh, preparing for the meal. But, you know, we talk about all day long, what are the questions that we'll be asking? And again, you have to be proactive about these things. And, uh, you know, when the meal time is probably, you know, two, sometimes three hours from, uh, prep time and then enjoying the the meal together, we, we pray over the bread uh, we pray over the meal. So it, it's just such a highlight of our family time. And, and I, I thank God for for Sharon, who's who's researched all these areas and, and made it meaningful in our lives. So, Sharon, what are just a few more takeaways that you might have for us for the Christmas holiday table?
1: Well, you know, a couple things that we've done over the years that I think the kids have enjoyed, and uh, we've got our kids to help us. But a lot of times I'll put little name cards with each of their names and then maybe something that their name means or some, um, something really special about them. And, you know, I'll just set them out. Um, we put fun little things on the table. I try to really make the table like sort of a special theme or something special. Um, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but just little things that makes them feel like the table's a really special place. And I, I think, um, I, you know, for holidays or when each child has a birthday, I have a little plate that you are special. I'll put a balloon by their seat. Um, you know, when our son had some accomplishments, I would put something special where he sat just to let him know that we were so proud of him. And, you know, it can be done through physical things and, of course, through verbal blessing. And um, and then I also think it's really fun to make the table a place of laughter and, um, sharing funny stories. And not that it's a real heavy, you know, that it's constantly a heavy discussion, but it's, it's lighthearted. It's fun. But a lot of times you really can get to the heart of an issue.
0: So true. And not only is the table important during the holidays, it's important every night of the week that you make it a sacred space. And when we have friends over, uh, for dinner, We'll have uh, the couples, uh, the husband bless the wife and the wife bless the husband prior to the meal. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten phone calls, you know, a couple days later from the husband saying, Aaron, that was the most meaningful meal we, my wife and I have ever enjoyed. And it's because of the, the impartation that's taking place, uh, the conversation that's taking place around the meal table. So if you'd like to go to israelteam.org, all of these programs on AFR are podcasted there on our podcast. And you can download this wonderful book on the blessing at israelteam.org through a donation of any kind this month. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.